Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode number 73 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment law specialist and solicitor, and I run my own business, Real Employment Law Advice. We provide advice to businesses and individuals across the UK. We're based on the South Coast, although we do deal with clients anywhere over the UK, and that can be business clients or individuals, as I say. So if you do want some advice or assistance, then do not hesitate to get in touch with us. You can contact us via our website, which is realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. In this week's episode of the podcast, I'm going to just talk to you about the reasonableness of a decision to dismiss employees. And this is a subject that I have covered before, but it's something that I'm covering now, but from a different angle. And that's because I've been dealing with a couple of business clients, business owners recently, who are struggling to deal with employees where there's been a series of sort of historic conduct issues that haven't really been addressed properly. And now they're trying to address them. And we're having this conversation about the reasonableness of the decision to dismiss them. And it all comes down to the failure really to deal with the issue sooner. And so not only can it cause a problem in relation to unfair dismissal, but also just from a business perspective generally. So this episode, I'm just going to give you some a real life advice, if you like, that I've been providing to employers recently and ways in which you can really help to prevent issues happening for yourself or to make your life easier if they do happen. So just a little bit of background. For those of you who listen regularly or who know a bit about employment law and employee rights, you'll know that in order to dismiss an employee, you need to have one of five potentially fair reasons for dismissal. Now, one of those reasons is conduct. And when it comes to a dismissal for conduct, the employment tribunal will apply a test called the reasonableness test. So you can establish that the reason is misconduct. So let's just say an employee has been stealing from petty cash. So yes, you've got a reason and that falls under the conduct reason and in itself would seem like a potentially fair reason. But then the Employment Tribunal will look at the reasonableness test. And this is set out in the Employment Rights Act and it basically says that whether in the circumstances, so that includes the size and administrative resources of the employer, the employer acted reasonably in treating that as a sufficient reason for dismissing the employee. And in determining reasonableness, it should be determined in accordance with equity and the substantial merits of the case. It won't surprise you to know that there have been a whole range of cases about the reasonableness and how you work out reasonableness. But what they would do is look at the whole circumstances of the employer and say, is that reason, so stealing from petty cash, a sufficient reason and reasonable to dismiss the employee? Now, in the case of theft, you won't be surprised to hear that actually in most cases it is reasonable to dismiss an employee for that reason. If you've undertaken a fair process and fair investigation and established they have been the one that's stolen or in all likelihood they are the one that's done it, then you can reasonably dismiss them. So that's fairly straightforward. That's the reasonableness. But what happens when you have some cumulative behaviour over a period of weeks or months um, and none of it is really something that of itself is serious enough to dismiss them, but you want to kind of use it 
as a way of disciplining them and potentially putting it all together and saying, right, well, so your conduct as a whole has been sufficiently serious that it's reasonable for me to dismiss you. Well, in those circumstances, the Employment Tribunal will look at all of the reasons as a whole and they will assess the fairness based on all of them. So it will be reasonableness decided based on the whole of the reasons combined. And that's fine if you've got a number of issues that have occurred fairly recently and you're just dealing with them all at once. And the cases I've been dealing with recently for clients have been where there's been some historic conduct and the employer's known about it for some time and hasn't actually dealt with it. So what's happened is things have kind of been building up, chipping away over a period of time. The employee's not really been doing things as the employer wants them to but the employer's not actually said anything to the employee about it and just let it carry on. And these were things that were contained within the employee's handbook and contract as saying things that that were prohibited, if you like, and, and then other things that weren't contained in the handbook, which the employer was unhappy about. Now, all of us can sympathise with the reasons why they weren't dealt with, these minor misconduct issues weren't dealt with at the time. And that is because... The business owners were busy, they didn't want confrontation, they needed their employees to be working hard for them, and they were only really sort of minor issues. So they kind of let them slide, you know, and there's, you know, definitely no criticism for that at all, because when you're busy working in your business, it's easy to do. But then what you have to realise is you can't then go back and say, well, you know, four months ago you did this, and that's contrary to the handbook, or four months ago you did this and that's not right, and then try and wrap it all up into one big reason, if you like, to dismiss them. The problem with that is twofold, really. By not dealing with the issue at the time and just sort of letting it slide, in a way you're deemed to have accepted that misconduct, especially if you knew about it and the employee can evidence that you knew about it. So let's just say you see an employee who is failing to wear a high-vis jacket in the office when your policy is that they have to wear their high-vis jackets at all times because of safety reasons. If you've worked in the office with that employee on more than one occasion and they haven't been wearing it and you haven't said anything, it would be very difficult then a couple of months later to say, well, you know, three months ago you didn't wear your high-vis jacket in the office. The employee is going to say, well, you knew I didn't because you were there. And you never said anything at the time. So why are you using that as a reason now? And that will go against you. So you won't be able to do that. The other is, if you haven't got the rule set out anywhere, and the employee has never actually been told that that's something that could amount to disciplinary action. And then all of a sudden, after a period of time, you're saying, well, actually, that's not right. And we don't want that kind of behaviour. But you've condoned it and you've not actually had it anywhere in any of your handbooks. Neither has the employee been told that they can't do it. There was a case about this in which a teacher was dismissed from school for making a call in a lesson. And the school tried to say, well, it was generally known by all teachers that it was misconduct to make calls during lessons. But they hadn't actually stipulated it anywhere. And the teacher in question just said, well, I didn't know. So how can it be fair and reasonable to dismiss me when I didn't even know that it was a rule? So it's very clear that if you're going to rely on a particular rule or or an issue of misconduct that you're unhappy about within your organisation, then you need to make sure that employees know about it in advance. 
The Employment Tribunal are very clear on this. Disciplinary rules should be made clear to employees, either by way of a handbook or a set of rules or by communicating it to them verbally. Now, if that teacher had been told on several occasions by their their manager that actually, no, you can't make calls in lessons and it's very strictly upheld, whether or not it was in a handbook or written down wouldn't have mattered because the line manager would have been able to give evidence to that effect to say I told them on numerous occasions that it was misconduct and it could result in dismissal but they carried on anyway so therefore all rules that are important to you obviously I accept that you can't write down absolutely everything but those things are really important to you those things that will get a bee in your bonnet about later on need to be in writing and you need to ensure the employees are aware of them It's no good having them in a handbook and the employee never actually having read it or being pointed to it. I was involved in a tribunal case a few years ago where an employer was defending a claim for unfair dismissal. Unfortunately, they had a practice of ensuring that employees signed to say that they had read the handbook and then periodically got employees to confirm by email to say, yes, they've read the handbook and they understand the disciplinary rules contained within they were able to use that and say to say to the employment tribunal, well, the employee was fully aware of our rules and procedures because look here, she sent me an email just six months ago saying that she had read them and was up to date with them. So therefore, we can rely on that to dismiss. Now, having it in writing by itself doesn't always mean that it would be reasonable to dismiss them for it. And this was another conversation I was having with the same client, actually. They said, well, it's in our handbook they did this last week, why can't we dismiss them for it? And my answer to that was, even though it might be written down, you still have to look at the whole picture, the whole reasonableness picture, if you like. So if it's merely, again, we'll take the example of the teacher, and actually from a case against John Lewis, from a John Lewis employee, in which their disciplinary code made it clear that making personal phone calls was taken seriously, and was viewed seriously by them and could result in misconduct proceedings, the employer still had to investigate that issue and look at it from a fairness perspective to see whether it was fair to dismiss them or not. So it will help having it in writing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that an employment tribunal will say, yes, okay, well, for a first offence of using a phone during work time, then it would be fair to dismiss them. It will help you, but it doesn't necessarily fulfil the reasonableness test. And then in another case, which is a bit more extreme, an employee had been found guilty of fighting. And again, it stipulated it specifically in the disciplinary rules that fighting was prohibited and it was misconduct, gross misconduct. But in this case, the employment tribunal said it wasn't reasonable taking into account all of the circumstances that had taken place and also the employee's length of service and extenuating circumstances and all of those things. So looking at it from a reasonable perspective, even though fighting is a serious matter, it was set out in the handbook as such, it wasn't necessarily fair to dismiss for that. So as an employer, you might be saying, holding your hands up and going in despair, well, what are we supposed to do then, Alison? We put it in, if we put it in our rules, we follow up from it very quickly and we try to deal with it in a reasonable manner, we still can't dismiss employees for it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there are circumstances in which even having it written down means that you can't dismiss. But you need to be looking at the whole reasonableness test. And for those of you who listen regularly or those of you who are interested, 
you can go back and listen to episodes 34 to 39, where I deal with unfair dismissal and talk you through how to go through a fair process with an employee and um, all about unfair dismissal and the reasonableness. And that's actually in episode 36, where we talk specifically about the reasonableness test. What I'm talking about from this episode's perspective is just really a reminder and maybe to give you some confidence to say, to deal with things as they occur. Because that's the biggest takeaway from this episode, I think. If you could take two things away, I would say, one, make sure you put down in writing what is important to you in terms of conduct and rules. And two, that you deal with it when it arises. Even if that is having an informal conversation to say, actually, it's not acceptable to be making personal phone calls during work time. And if you do it again, that will result in some form of disciplinary action and then just making a note on their file of the date and time and what you said that will assist you I know it can be really hard to have those confrontations and to discuss with employees particularly if you're in a small business and you're juggling lots of balls and you don't want to have an atmosphere with staff but you have to have the confidence to know that it's your business that you're the boss you're the one who makes the decisions you're the one who has got things to lose here if you get it wrong. So don't be afraid to stand up to employees, if you like, and to have those conversations early on. It will save you a whole host of trouble later on. It really will. And then look at your paperwork, look at your contracts and procedures and your handbooks and all that sort of thing. I know I'm always banging on about it, but it's the one thing that you look at as soon as there's a dispute. Where's the contract? Where's the handbook? What does it say? Now, when I come to preparing contracts and handbooks for employers and business owners, I ask them, what are the things that are important to you and to your business? So what are the unique things about your business that you need to protect or you need to deal with? What are the things that occur with your employees, which really grate you, which um, cause you the problems? And let's put them in the rules and let's put them down as disciplinary issues And that will vary from business to business, depending on what you do. And there are things that may be more important to you than others. Now, I've recently prepared some contracts for a cafe. And one of the things that was an issue for the business owner there is that the staff always have their mobile phones out. You know, when they're stood behind the counter serving customers or not serving customers, but waiting for people to come in, they've got their phones in their hands and they're on Facebook or doing whatever, looking at messages or Snapchat and all that sort of thing. And despite the employer saying to them that it wasn't acceptable, they were still doing it. So what we've done is we've made it very um, clear in their rules and procedures that that's unacceptable, that the mobile phones have to be turned off and stored away when they're working in their coat or in their bag, and that they can, if they needed to be contacted in an emergency, give out the Uh, cafe number so that they can get around that problem of saying well I need to be contacted in the case of an emergency and then what I've suggested is that when the handbooks and contracts were ready to be issued that they are issued to staff and staff are given a briefing which lays out what is required of them fortunately we're going into a new season so it's the timing's really good because there'll be new staff coming on board so they can say right we're drawing a line in the sand now these are the new rules and procedures. This is how we're going to work going forward. And it's going to be zero tolerance. And then the employer can rely on that conversation, can rely on those new rules and procedures later on to discipline people 
or if necessary, dismiss them without the employee being able to go, well, you know, six months ago in the winter, I had my mobile phone behind the counter and nobody said anything. So we'll be able to rely on that and say, well, actually, we drew a line in the sand at this point and said, this is what we want going forward. And so that gets over that whole acceptance by not doing anything, if you like, uh, for historical issues. So again, if your business has been going for a while and you've had employees and there have been historic problems that you haven't addressed yet, but you want to going forward, that's how I would do it. I would say to the whole workforce, these are the rules and procedures. This is what I want going forward and it will be zero tolerance. And then from now on, making sure that you do deal with them and you do address those difficult conversations. And I think it's fair for the employees as well. So it's it's about being a good employer as much as anything. You can't be mad with someone if you haven't told them why you're mad with them or you haven't set out your expectations of them in the first place. It's very difficult for people who may have come from a different organisation or a different business where things were done differently. They might think that what was acceptable in one place was acceptable to you and just carry on as normal. So it might not be that they're doing it deliberately. And I would say in most cases it's not. It's just by default. So that's where I say you need to be fair to the employee as well and be a good employer and set out exactly what your expectations are of them. Now, I know, as I said before, it's really difficult as a business owner and an employer, particularly if you're running the business on your own or it's just a, a small business with yourself and, a, and one other partner or somebody um, helping you. It can be really lonely and you've got lots of employees who all look to you, um, obviously, to pay their wages, but also they're the ones, they don't really treat you like a colleague because you're their boss and you sometimes find it difficult to communicate with them. Um, There is support for you out there. You know, that's the kind of thing that I do for employers, help them to have those conversations, help them to develop those rules and give them the confidence to take that action. Because I know as well, a lot of people are worried about doing things because they think, well, if I do this, I might end up in an employment tribunal. So that's where I come in, in helping you to not only build your procedures and policies but also to give you the confidence in order to to enforce them and to stand up to your employees when you need to. So if you're having any problems with employees or you want some guidance or just a general chat for some confidence building then you can get in touch with me. You can contact me by email it's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. <music> Now, I mentioned in the episode a few other podcast episodes you might want to go back and listen to. So there is episode 26 in which I deal with a case regarding the reasonableness of a decision to dismiss. And then the series on unfair dismissal is episodes 34 to 39 and episode 36 specifically on the reasonableness test. I do hope that you've enjoyed this week's podcast and that you continue to to listen. If you've got any suggestions for future topics or you just want to give me some feedback, again, I'd be happy to receive your email. It's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. If you're based on the South Coast or on the Isle of Wight and you'd like to come to a free employment law seminar, we're running an event on the 30th of March from 7.30 to 9.30am in Cowes, which is open to anyone who runs a business, who is an employer, a manager, a supervisor. Do pop along and um, get our update on what's happening for 2017. If you want any more information, do drop us an email and I will speak to you again in two weeks time. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.